right, Jeremy, I want you to imagine that you're a cartoon boy with spiky hair. Okay. You're writing on a chalkboard as punishment, then you run out of class. Your dad is done for the day at his job at the nuclear power plant. Your baby sister accidentally gets scanned at the grocery store. Your other sister is doing a wicked saxophone solo in music class. Your mom's driving a little crazy, even missing hitting you by a second when you're on your skateboard. You all get home. You land your skateboard on your dad's car. Your mom almost hits your dad as she pulls into the driveway. Then you all converge on the couch. Or try to. There are already podcasters sitting at a table with microphones set up. Let's say like Bill Simmons, Mark Marin, and Scott Ackerman are already set up. And then you give you and your family, you give each other confused looks. Right. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to set the vibe a little bit because today we're talking about the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That you set the vibe perfectly on that, Thomas. Well <laughs> bravo. I'm I feel like I'm in Springfield right now, man. Yeah, I tried to hit all those beats or as many beats as I could from from a classic uh intro to The Simpsons. So uh so yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to uh Pop Culture Five. I'm Thomas Senna, and with me as always is the Bart to my millhouse. Or is it the millhouse to my Bart? I don't know. I don't know, Ooh, Jeremy. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> Depending on the topic, maybe one of us is the nerdier one. Yeah. I so, agree. I agree. Yeah, we, we find out which one's the millhouse and which one's the bar on any given episode, I guess. Uh, everybody will just have to listen. So, yeah, Deremy Dove, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Thomas. And I have to say bravo because you picked this week's topic. And I love it. You went swinging for the fences right out the gate because, to me, the Simpsons are up there as far as when it comes to pop culture franchises or institutions they take a backseat to no one they're up there with the star wars or star trek snl the beetle like the simpsons are on that short list because they are just that important and that big to pop culture so i'm like man thomas is he's taking a big leap here for his first choice i love it yeah i wanted to get some of those heritage topics out you know right off the bat we're going on what 34 35 years maybe if you want to count the tracy ullman show I believe they debuted on Tracy Ullman 87, 88, something like that. That was 87, that. yeah. 87. So we're going on like 36 years or something of The Simpsons being a thing <laughs> out yeah. in pop culture. And I know I chose this topic, Jeremy, because you, know, you and I have made reference to The Simpsons here and there since we've known each other. Mm-hmm. And I know we're both huge fans. And yeah, the show is just such a staple in pop culture and entertainment, like staple of my childhood. I agree, and I think it's for those who don't remember, and man, I feel bad for them, but if you're too young, The Simpsons are a thing. They've been out there, but now it's just more like, oh, they're they're just a part of everything. But when The Simpsons took off in the 90s, this was a phenomenon that it's like, man, they really touched the cultural zeitgeist, and to see this cartoon show in prime time hit on so many levels on, you know, doing spoofing pop culture, hitting, you know, politics, hitting different things, affecting presidential elections. Mm-hmm. Like this was something, you know, that everyone was talking about. Parents were worried, oh, is Bart a bad influence and is Homer a 
negative representation of fathers and all that stuff. And I think now, fast forward, like you said, 35 years, there's so many more adult cartoons and, you know, cartoons being like a taken seriously in prime time. We're all used to it. I think we would look back and go, what were we so worried about back in the early 90s when it comes to The Simpsons? Exactly. Bart's antics seem so quaint and innocent looking back. Right. And right. I remember all like the, a lot of parents and school administrators and all of that like said that Bart Simpson was going to like be part of the decay of society and, yeah. and 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 all of that stuff, but it just seems so innocent looking back on it. It's pretty hilarious to think that at one time Bart Simpson was like public enemy number 1. Exactly. <laughs> in that regard. Exactly. And I also feel like because if you look at once the Simpsons left Tracy Ullman you know, there's a couple episodes, maybe one or two, that are technically by the calendar in the 80s. But the Simpsons really emerge in the 90s. And I feel like they're a good representation of, you know what, the 80s was Reagan, Bush. When we looked at TV, it was very Cosby Show, Growing Pains, Family Ties, Full House, that perfect family, everyone huggy and love each other and all that. And the Simpsons were a great like counter to that. And being like, you know, the Simpsons, they love each other, but they're going to show all the warts. It's going to be realer. Uh, kids do talk back to their parents. Parents get frustrated and burned out and uh, just really poking at society. And I think the Simpsons kind of one of those few things that show like the change from the 80s to the 90s. Jeremy, I'm wondering, like, when did you start watching the Simpsons? So for me, I will say I got into the Simpsons in the early 90s. So having an older brother, you know, who was watching it and he so he got into it from day one. He's seven years older than I am. But for me, the the big deal was I was it was probably, I don't know, 92 is the year. And when our local um, one of our local stations was showing that the Simpsons every night, every weeknight at six and six thirty, we're going to show those reruns. And they hyped it up so big, like the Simpsons reruns are coming to. I can say, you know, fill it up, Fox 29. Like, that's getting the Simpsons reruns. And me and my brother were like, yeah. So for years, it was, you know, eating dinner, getting home from, you know, school. 5 and 5.30, was watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, like, waiting for dinner. And then 6 and 6.30, it was the Simpsons. And just, like, loving that. And so getting, for me, it was, like, getting caught up on that first or second season. And then... At the same time, on Sunday nights, watching you know, what was going on live. So early 90s for me, and that still phenomenon was there of like the Simpsons are everywhere. So that's when I first found out about the Simpsons. How about yeah. you, Thomas? Yeah, those, those, those episodes were easy to catch up on because you're right. Like It was in syndication, so Fox would, would show them every day. And so I remember the same thing kind of after school in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was like Fox 14 and then Casa okay. Fox 2 would show Simpsons reruns throughout the week so you could like get caught up on what you missed. Uh, Sunday night, though, was appointment viewing for yes. me, The Simpsons. And I remember they, they we used to pair The Simpsons with things like Herman's Head, I think, okay. would come on at the same night, maybe Drexel's Class or something. like Some of those kind of quirky Fox shows mm-hmm. <laughs> would air along, alongside The Simpsons on uh, Sunday nights, and that was just appointment TV. For me, I remember I have visceral memories of my mom cooking like a Sunday dinner or whatever and wanting to finish on time so I could like watch The Simpsons so I wouldn't miss 
that week's episode. So I was a huge fan. This was probably yeah early nineties. Definitely. I was all in. I was, I was, uh, maybe I probably owned at least one or two Bart Simpsons t-shirts. I loved playing the Simpsons video game. So I was definitely immersed in all of the culture and all of the products that, uh, that were around the Simpsons around that time. And I think it's funny because when we're talking about in, you know, the early 90s, I guess I would say early, maybe even to mid 90s, Bart was really the first like star, like the emerging star from the show. It was like a Bart mania. And then over time, it went to like Homer being like the the cultural touchstone, you know, everyone loving Homer. And I feel like as later as the years have gone on, Lisa has a cult following mm-hmm. and a lot of fans really connect and love Lisa Simpson. But I always tell people what, you know, people, Homer was funny and people liked Homer, but the first real character to break through on The Simpsons was Bart. And I think the early episodes kind of show that where they're very Bart themed, Bart centric. And then we kind of can see a shift to where Homer kind of like dominates a lot of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And as viewers, you could find somebody from The Simpsons family that you connected with the most and then as the world grew all these side characters right that's to me that's kind of like in a lot of ways the meat of what makes the simpsons simpsons special is the world that matt graining and james brooke like built and all those talented writers just the world that they built like you could you could identify with a bit character here and there and you start sympathizing and empathizing with certain characters and seeing i see myself in some characters sometimes and that's just the, the world that they built is just incredible. Um, yeah, you're right. Bart was the first one, definitely. But then, you know, other uh, Lisa, Marge, Homer, and then Krusty the Clown. Like, you just started getting all these side characters. Yeah. Barney that just people just loved. And Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob, Sideshow Mel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just brings back such great memory. That's why I thought this was a no-brainer topic uh, to do because it's just – Brings back such memories. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, we are Pop Culture 5. It's the podcast in which Jeremy and I choose the five essentials of any given topic. So last week, we hashed out the five essential Tom Hanks movies. Some weeks, we might talk about five essential songs by an artist, five essential movies by a director, or like this week, five essential episodes of a TV series. So again, the topic this week is five essential Simpsons episodes. And before we get started, kind of we have kind of rules to the games. So Jeremy and I uh, team together. We pick five essentials from a given topic. Uh, but I want to go over some of the some of the rules to this show. Uh, since I'm the host this week, since I picked the topic, then I'm the host. Uh, last week, Tom Hanks, Jeremy picked that topic, so Jeremy was the host of the show. We're going to be rotating uh, as the episodes go along. So since I'm the host this week, I have three choices. And Jeremy has two choices. But to balance out the power a little bit, Jeremy has a veto yes. if he chooses to use it. So we'll see. I want to remind Jeremy that I didn't <laughs> use my veto uh, last week for, uh, for Tom Hanks. Maybe I made him sweat a little bit, but ultimately... You uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, we landed on five essential Tom Hanks movies that we thought... Uh, we thought really fits, uh, but so th- this episode, I'll have three choices. Jeremy will have two choices, but he does have that veto in his back pocket uh, if he chooses to use it. Jeremy, 
did I miss anything? No, you hit it, and I think um, I guess we'll we can maybe because we haven't gone over our. I don't know what Thomas is going to pick. He doesn't know what I'm going to pick. So I think maybe throughout giving our our choices, and then maybe afterwards, because like we said, there's you know almost 35 years worth of episodes. So just wondering how the thought process for him and I on landing on what we thought of as essential and we want everyone to know, like, you know, essential is different than best or favorite. Can they overlap? Absolutely. But essential, what's the, that important thing that can define this topic. So if an alien or someone doesn't know about the Simpsons, hard to believe, but let's just go with me. What are the five episodes that you're like, these are the five that show you what the Simpsons are really about. So I, I love, I can't wait to kind of hear what you have to say, but really get into, because these were, it, it was tough in a good way. There were so many choices. It was like, it was hard because I'm like, oh, this episode is so important. This one is, this one. And it was like, man, like my list is just getting longer and longer here. Right. So I, I'm just curious. We, we have a, it's a fun task, but it's a tough task for the two of us. It's interesting to see the interpretation that even Deremy and I have amongst each other, you know, because um, I, I think I'm approaching uh, a lot of this in a way to where I might have 20 essential Simpsons episodes, but I'm picking the handful that I maybe feel like talking about or there's specific reasons why I want to bring them up today. Some topics might warrant a part two of an episode down the line. Right. This might be one of them. Well, it see. could be. It could, it could really be. could be because there's just so much history behind the Simpsons. But this isn't sort of like a five best or even my five favorite or whatever. It's just like if I think there's 20 or 30 essential Simpsons episodes, let's see what three I want to talk about today. Yep. And they all fit. So, uh, so ready to get to it, Jeremy? I am pumped. All right, let's go. And I have the first choice. So with choice number one for Essential Simpsons episodes, I am going to go back to February of 1992. It's uh, Season 3, Episode 17. It's a stone-cold classic. I've decided to bring in a few ringers. Professional baseballers. We'll give them token jobs at the plant and have them play on our softball team. That would be Homer at the Bat. Mm. That's the episode, Jeremy, that resonates with me. It lives, it's lived in my brain, in my head for the la- over 30 years now. And both of us are huge sports fans. I was a huge sports fan even when I was a kid. This episode came out when I was 10 years old, and it was so exciting for me to see all these Major League Baseball players on screen, to have something that I loved, The Simpsons, intertwined with uh, one of my other loves was baseball. Right. Uh, just a kind of quick recap of the episode. So the uh, Springfield Power Plant, where Homer works, they put together a company softball team. And they all sign up. Homer has a secret weapon. He has this bat, the Wonder Bat, that he that he fashions and everything, sort of like out of the natural. He has a secret bat. And he's the best player on the team, hits all these home runs, and they get to the championship game against Shelbyville, who's obviously Springfield's rival, big rival, Shelbyville. And Mr. Burns makes a bet with the owner of the Shelbyville power plant, and they bet a million dollars on this championship game. So Mr. Burns decides to recruit some ringers. 
on the softball team. And hilarity ensues, but that's essentially the uh, plot of Homer at the bat. So, uh, Deremy, what do you think of this choice? You nailed it, honestly, because for something now a lot of true Simpson fans or a lot of people kind of didn't like, but this was the first one, which having so many guest stars on the show, which looking back on it and, you know, going over research for this uh, episode, it's a, it's really hard where you have that many guest stars and you're kind of taking away from your regular voice actors. Hmm. So to still get that comedy in, but you're not just having one guest star or two, you're trying to get everybody some love here and they really kind of spread the humor around. Now I know from reading things, the you know the actual voice actors weren't really too thrilled that week, but yeah. um, cause, some you know, more than others, there was yeah. kind of a uh, yeah a little bit of range of who had a good time and who didn't. As far as the baseball players who who lent lent their voices and their to uh, to this episode, but I think it just it nailed home how big this show was in in the culture. How big it was, like, hey, you're getting all these legends and all-star players to come on board. And the way, to me, it's one of the, Mr. Burns' funniest episodes. Mr. Burns, to me, had me dying in this episode, honestly. Yeah. But it's just, I thought the brilliance of it was you could be a diehard baseball fan like you and I, and you're getting the subtle things, like the Don Mattingly jokes about the sideburns. Which, if you're not a big baseball fan, you don't know that, oh, the, George Steinbrenner owned the Yankees. He had a no facial hair rule. or You know, so things like that. But as a casual or someone who doesn't like baseball, there's still enough humor and enough, like, pop culture references. Like, you know, looking at, like, the natural with Homer and his bat that I feel like everyone could get it. You don't have to just be a baseball fan. And so I think they do it so well. And also a big story of early Simpsons is they're battling the Cosby show in the ratings. And so this being the first time that the Simpsons, because they were originally on Thursday nights. So the Simpsons on that Thursday night beat the Cosby show in its original airing. So this was a big deal and historic, really, because the Cosby show dominated the 80s in the ratings. And it kind of showed the passing of the guard, like the sitcom of the 80s handing the torch to you know, the sitcom of the 90s in a way. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned Mr. Burns. This was actually, you're right, this was a really good Mr. Burns episode for sure. It started like when, when he was talking to Smithers about putting together the, yeah. the softball team and he's like, let's get Cap Anson and Honus Wagner. And if, if you don't, I mean, the show makes it obvious, but if you're a baseball fan, that's kind of a fun thing because those were players from like the early 1900s. I think one player he mentioned had died mm -hmm. in the late 1800s. <laughs> yeah. Something. So it was a Mr. Burns is old uh, kind of joke right there. And his interactions with the Shelbyville, uh, own, the owner of the Shelbyville power plant <laughs> was, was really good too. And you don't have to be a big baseball fan to enjoy this episode. Like you don't have to know a lot about Ken Griffey Jr. to think it's funny that he drank nerve tonic and got right, gigantism. Right. Like it's just a funny visual and a funny thing to happen to everyone and, and and a part of the plot of Homer at the bat is that you so you have all these nine ringers from Major League Baseball and something happens to eight of them to where they end up missing the championship game except for Daryl Strawberry who yes. plays Homer's position so Daryl Strawberry's in the lineup Homer has to sit on the bench and it's just comedy like I love 
the little beats of something happening to each of these players. Like, do you remember like any that stand really stand out to you as far as what befell some of these uh, all star players? Oh well, the the Griffey one was hilarious. Steve Sachs, who yeah. was just like playing, he's like the nicest guy, and then I was. The cops are like, there was a, a murder, a homicide in New York. Uh, we think it was you. And they're just, Steve Sachs is like, what? I didn't, you know, he's pretty much trying to say how nice, I'm helping out doing this. Oh, okay, Sachs, sure, buddy. You're going to spend a long time. And the fact that, like, of all the players, like, they're picking on Steve Sachs, and he's just like, what? But I didn't do anything. And he's just all soft-spoken and nice, but they're, the cops are like, we know it was you, buddy. And, like, just seeing, like, Wiggum and then being like, you know, there was a murder in New York. So we think it must be you. Like, there's no investigation, yeah. no anything. It was you. Steve Sachs always, that that one cracked me up the most. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I like the Wade Boggs one, too, yes. when Barney punched him out when they were talking about who the, the, who the greatest prime minister was in England. They were having this ridiculous argument. And I say England's greatest prime minister was Lord Palmerston. Hit the elder. Lord Palmerston. Hit the the elder. Okay, you asked for it, Boggs. Yeah, that's showing him, Bonnie. Pit the elder. Lord Palmerston. I think it was kind of funny, and I don't know if it was known at the time how much of a drinker Wade Boggs was. So maybe I, I couldn't can't remember if I was a little kid if that was already out there that Wade Boggs could handle himself as far as drinking goes. I feel like it wasn't, but I could be wrong. So it's weird that it it's kind of weird that it it probably yeah, cuz I feel like it wasn't totally out there, but the fact that he was in a bar, Wade Boggs thing happened in a bar mm-hmm. to me is kind of funny because we know that there's a famous uh, uh it's probably overblown now, but like Wade Boggs apparently drank I don't know how many beers on a cross country flight. Six or something. The number keeps growing yeah. uh, by the year. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Even did a whole episode right <laughs> about that. But yeah, that's why it was so funny that Wade Boggs and Barney were having this intellectual debate. Barney being intellectual, which that's part of his backstory. He was a really good student in high school before Homer introduced him to drinking. But like, just th- that whole interaction between Barney and Wade Boggs was hilarious so so that stood out to me and uh so as we mentioned like ken griffey jr was in it he drank nerve tonic got gigantism roger clemens got hypnotized and thought he was a chicken Mm -hmm. (laughs) mike Sosha wanted to be a blue collar guy so he wanted to like actually work at the power plant yeah part of it is they had to technically have jobs at the power plant but mike Sosha is the only one that wanted to actually go work at the power plant he got radiation poisoning uh, Ozzy Smith, what'd you think about that one, Jeremy? Ozzy Smith being a sightseer in Springfield and disappearing. I thought that was odd. <laughs> it was odd, huh? It was a weird one, but still <laughs> kind of funny. Like, I think of all the ones that happened, I was kind of like, huh? But I still, like, I still really enjoyed it. I- I'll tell you what, for me, looking back on this one, forgot just how funny Daryl Strawberry was in this episode. Daryl right. Strawberry made me laugh. And maybe my couple of my favorite scene, my favorite scenes really all involve him, whether he first, you know, he, uh, Mr. Burns brings the players and then, you know, Daryl walks over to like sign up his name and Homer's there. You play right field? And Daryl's like, yeah, I play right field too. So, well, are you better than me? Well, I never met you, but yes. It's just like that hard thing. Like, you know, just always have you diet or even when Daryl's out there. And then they're doing, you know, Bart and Lisa are doing the Daryl, Daryl, which was a classic chant from the 86 World Series when the Mets 
played the Red Sox in, you know, in Boston, and the Boston fans are really giving it to Daryl Strawberry. And I thought that was just beautiful, like that reference, and then being like, that doesn't really bother guys, and Daryl has the tear coming down his face. I just thought Daryl Strawberry really had me cracking up this episode. Jose Canseco uh, was in that episode. He got caught up in rescuing a woman's possessions. Her house mm-hmm. was burning down, and he she re- he rescued her baby at first, and then her cat, and then uh, you see him like bringing her uh, couch and her appliances out, and she's directing him like, no, that goes over there, that goes over there. So that was uh, that was a good one from Jose Canseco. And you you'd mentioned the Don Mattingly one, and. I had read, and I'm not t- too sure about the timeline, but apparently they wrote this and recorded this before Mattingly's haircut benching in real life with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So apparently this sort of almost told the future as far as Mattingly getting benched uh, one game because his hair was too long or his sideburns were too long or whatever. Uh, but But I always thought that this was a reference to that incident but it wasn't. I think it was just a general reference to the Yankees team rule at the time. Right. But this actually saw the future of Mattingly actually getting benched. <laughs> Which is a, a classic Simpsons thing of predicting the future. You know, there's a lot of running. And you can see, like, this, you go online. I think you even go on, like, Disney Plus. There's a whole thing about the Simpsons, different episodes, you know, saying something that seems so outrageous and people laugh. And then it winds up coming true. Mm-hmm. So that's like really like internet lore has been out there. So that's funny. Like I didn't know that either. I thought the the suspension had happened before this, mm-hmm. but the hey, just it's another time that the Simpsons predict the future. Yeah, they're geniuses. It's great. And some some other little nuggets, uh Nolan Ryan, Ricky Henderson, Carlton Fisk and Ryan Sandberg apparently said no to being in this episode. There was uh that great song at the end. We're talking softball from Maine to San Diego. Talking softball, Manningly and Canseco. Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. The talking softball, which is the same guy who did the song Talking Baseball. Mm-hmm. I think this is such a great way to close the episode. Like that song is just so. Yeah. So I don't know. And it narrates kind of what happens during the episode. And you have these steals of them playing baseball and stuff or playing softball. Uh, but Terry Cashman's the one who wrote and performed Talking Baseball and Talking Softball. It's just it's like such a perfect way to, to wrap up that episode. I think this is um, this is perfect. Like I it, it's on to me a Mount Rushmore in so many levels. Like it doesn't have to be a best or favorite, but I think it hits that for so many Simpson fans. But I think just in its importance of showing how much it went to pop culture at this point, it was a big deal, The Simpsons. But it was like, wow, you got all these baseball players to come on and do voiceover. The show really kind of hit like it's hitting everywhere. Everyone knows The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, that this I was at the Cooperstown, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame this earlier this summer. And there's a little exhibit. You know, this episode is in the Hall of Fame. They talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, it's it's that big of a deal. So it's it's really cool. So I think um, it's one of those things where I feel like if you argue against Homer at the bat being on an essential list, you just have a biased argument. Like it doesn't have to be your favorite or the best, but for so many reasons, it's on the essential list. Like you just absolutely. don't like fun. 
<laughs> right? Exactly. That's, the, that's the bottom line. You don't like fun. So Homer exactly. at the bat is is our first choice for uh, five essential Simpsons episodes. Dare what do you got for me for number two? Uh, I got just obviously a bunch of choices. I'm going to keep it at season four, which, you know, I do think is the best season. And I'm going to go with this song, this jingle. Call Mr. Plow. That's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. You have to go with Mr. Plow. So I'm going to take it in November of 92. So oh, Homer the Bat was third season, but this was fourth season, but still 92. I got to go with Mr. Plow on this one. And I just love that. To me, you know, the storyline is Homer winds up getting, you know, he stayed at Moe's bar too long. It's snowing coming down. You know, March called the bar and he's like, oh, I got to you know, stay for whatever reason. So he's driving home, winds up crashing into the other car in the driveway, wrecking both of them in a funny scene. Winds up getting the insurance check, which, you know, we'll get to that later. But winds up buying a snowplow and creating his own business, you know, Mr. Plow. I, 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 I don't have the best singing voice, but, you know, he pretty much has the Mr. Plow snow business and he's becoming like this Springfield hero. Gets the key to the city. Uh, Marge even likes, you know, she's turned on by the initiative and everything. So Homer's really, you know, the talk of the town, feeling really good and winds up. Not on purpose, you know, Barney's like, Hi, I want to be important, you know, his best friend. They're talking to Barney's Barney, you gotta pick yourself up and go out there and do it. You know, make make something happen. Winds up spurring on a rivalry. Barney becomes the plow king. He buys his, you know, own snow plow and is really starts to overtake Homer as the talk of the town and the number one snow plow guy in Springfield, which then leads to a rivalry between the two of them and Homer kind of doing some dirty tricks and tricking Barney into going way up top of this hill that caused like an avalanche. And, you know, Homer winds up saving Barney, but both snowplows kind of crash and burn. But I think from the jingle for the Mr. Plow jingle and really just a, a classic memorable thing that the references in this episode, it kind of stayed true to what makes the Simpsons great, where they smoothly put in pop culture references. But at this point, it's not, beating you over the head or it's not just like oh adam west and linda ronstadt are just here for no reason it's still kind of bizarre but it fit into they were a part of the community linda ronstadt's helping barney you know with his commercial because i feel like later on a complaint is they're just having stars just show up for no reason but here and as like your previous choice homer at the bat they were woven into the town of Springfield in a way that you're like, okay, fine, let's roll with it. And I think people liked it. So I feel like this was just a staple. So I'm going to give it Mr. Plow uh, as number two on our essentials list. Oh, man, this is so good. I think if you ask somebody what they remember about the Simpsons from their childhood or just anything, like what do you remember, what do you know about the Simpsons, they could probably recall the Mr. Plow jingle the mr plot episode but that jingle just i don't know anybody who's even in the ballpark of our age mm-hmm. knows that jingle and it, it resonates with with all of us and yeah. i think it is essential because like the entire yeah. episode's great too not just the jingle that that helps that's a huge part of it but the entire episode just has such great beats like that sequence at the auto show where homer mm-hmm. finds the plow in the first place 
was just so good. They're making fun of the how when when men get around beautiful women, they make the same dumb joke. Do you come with a car? Oh, you. <laughs> Do you come with the car? Oh, you. <laughs> So that was hilarious. They had the Bonnie and Clyde car there, and Bart, the money's still in the glove compartment. Oh, that beautiful! Bar, that was beautiful. Adam West, you had you had mentioned, and, and uh, with Adam West and Linda Ronstadt, yeah, like it didn't even dawn on me then. Like that's actually Adam West and Linda Ronstadt voicing right. themselves. Right. They're not just writing likenesses or drawing likenesses of these people. And so it wouldn't be funny to just put Adam West at this auto show like they got adam west <laughs> to to voice himself in this uh, just such such good beats like uh homer telling uh, or marge getting mad at homer for uh bringing the plow home like buying the plow and he mm-hmm. says something like like if you're gonna get mad at me every time i do something stupid maybe i'll have to stop doing stupid things or something like yeah, that like, yeah like just and he walks into like the car doors or the, the plow door i think yeah like, <laughs> oh, it's yeah, just hilarious yeah, this episode just like lives with me still. Um, like I know the, so the, I know a lot of the beats of this one. The uh the commercial. You know, they stay up. Homer does the family has the family do a commercial. Mm. So they stay up, you know, three seventeen AM to see it. And this the commercial, Grandpa's old man winter. But the part that got me was, you know, they're doing it and then Bart goes You are fully bonded and licensed by the city, aren't you, Mr. Plow? Shut up, boy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Bart's always uh, looking back at a lot of the episodes uh, in the Simpsons, especially like the ones that I remember from the early years. Bart's always sabotaging Homer. Yeah. In those ways. It's so funny. Yeah. Which is what I loved about early Bart, which is he was an underachiever in school and got in trouble. But he shows his like he's a smart kid because to be like that young, like who would he said it is like he was using his intelligence for the wrong thing almost. Because you could look at certain episodes and what Bart was like, he's smart, but he just wasn't trying to apply himself in school. He didn't like school, but like to me, like I, I'm not gonna say that as a kid, like you're licensed and bonded, right? You know, like I'm not gonna know that, but <laughs> exactly. like he he did it just to kind of get at Homer. It was just hilarious. I mean, the part where Homer's struggling, you know, Mr. You know Barney's done taking over. He's like, well, what do I do a rap now? And he's like, yo, 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 I'm Mr. Plow. And it is Bart and Lisa like, stop it, stop it. Don't ever do that again. Dad, stop it. Don't ever do it. Like, just like, have you yeah. crack it up. It's kind of funny, though, because, like, I, I referenced in, in Homer at the Bat how Barney punched out Wade Boggs. Barney did have intelligence, and it was a part of his backstory. I think... This is when this is the episode when we find it out is. that that's part of Barney's backstories. But there's a flashback to Homer introducing Barney to alcohol. All right, Harvard, here I come. Psst. Barney, my dad's asleep. Want a beer? I don't know. The SAT's are tomorrow. I've got two words for you. Mellow out, man. Mm? Mm? All right, just one. If it'll get you off my back. been all my life so that's kind of an interesting tie-in yeah <laughs> that i is. didn't even think about when I, right. when I said that in homer at the bat you know it's funny is uh i remember that sequence and that's after you know when homer questions him look at all i've done for you and then they go back to that sequence so it's like yeah all he's done for him is lead him down a road of being an alcoholic right so um 
it, it, it's such a you know classic classic you know episode Mr. Yeah. Plow, that's my name. The name again is Mr. Plow. Like I just, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, such a fitting choice for number two. So we have Homer the Bat one, and Mr. Plow number mm-hmm. two. And are we ready? I'm ready uh, for you, my man. All right. Uh, so choice number three, I wanted to go with a type of episode that became famous uh transcended the simpsons i think it became part of like just this is what the simpsons does every every year you have this to look forward to right and it's from october of 1993 so given it's from october maybe maybe we all know what it is it's a treehouse of horror episode i'd sell my soul for a donut well that can be arranged thunders you're the devil it's always the one you least suspect. It's Treehouse of Horror 4. These Treehouse of Horror episodes I look forward to so, so much. They were always so clever. A different sort of vibe. You're getting a different type of vibe than like a normal Simpsons episode. Right. Uh, it's a chance for the writers to be just super creative. A lot of really good parodies in these Treehouse of Horror episodes. And I picked this one specifically because I it just really all comes together for me and I think I really do think it's beloved among Simpsons fans too. So the first so usually with Treehouse of Horrors they have different type of stories uh within the episode. So the first one is it's called The Devil and Homer Simpson. Well it's first of all it's Bart hosting and introducing the segments and that's like an homage to Night Gallery, the old mm-hmm. show. So Bart's walking around this gallery and looking at paintings and then telling a story based off of the painting. So the first story is the devil and Homer Simpson in which Homer sells his soul for a donut to the devil who's Flanders. And the, the beats of that one are just hilarious to me. Like it seems at first that Homer outsmarted the devil because he only left like one bite. So he puts the bite in the fridge. Why? I don't know. He's Homer. He doesn't do everything perfectly. In this, in, in this smart sort of way. So Homer, of course, ends up eating that bite of donut and Flanders as the devil or what it pops up. And um, I, th- I think it was Lisa who, who brought up that maybe he has a Homer has a right to a fair trial. Mm-hmm. So essentially during so. the episode, yeah, they do this trial. Um, meanwhile, Homer's in hell and they actually, one of my favorite parts in this whole episode is they, they're force feeding home donuts to Homer <laughs> yeah, as a punishment, that's as an ironic punishment, and it doesn't work, Jeremy. No, that part cracks me up. That I did like that. My favorite scene was probably the end with them being Homer freaked out by the the picture of the dogs playing poker. Like I, I always like that reference. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I'll be honest with you. It's really weird to say that for so many years this was like a staple. Like every, you know, October, the Treehouse of Horror for The Simpsons. And it was a huge deal. Like everyone couldn't wait, like to get ready for it. And it's something that, looking back, I wonder. I don't know if it's because I have my older brother. He really liked them. I would be excited for. And this, I guess, for the listeners shows where like we're making, we're making it essential and keeping best and favorite out. I never really clicked with any of them. I never really wow. liked the Treehouse of Horror episodes like that, hmm. then and now, like I even watching like this one, it doesn't click with me. But I have to say, 
you have to talk about Treehouse of Horror when you're talking about essential Simpson episodes because they became such a staple and such a big part of you know the culture for so many years that everyone looked forward to these episodes. But and I do think of especially the early ones, this is considered the best. Mm-hmm. But I never really liked it. And even rewatching this one, because I wanted because I knew like Treehouse of Horror, you have <laughs> to mention that when it comes yeah. to the Simpsons. And I, you know, a lot of people went to this one and I'm like, it doesn't really hit me. But I think I can't veto it because you have to have a Treehouse of Horror episode to talk about the essential Simpsons. So I I have to agree, even though I don't if this was a Jeremy's favorite list uh, or even the best, I wouldn't put it up there. But for essential, you got to do it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And that's part of the reason why we're doing the essentials and not the best because it's, you know, it kind of challenges our thinking and how we approach this and how it fits in with the context of the category, this being the Simpsons. So I agree. I happen to like, uh, I'm not a big horror fan. First of all, I don't get excited for Halloween. I don't dress up. I don't really love horror movies, but the way the Simpsons did this, they made it like an event. And I think I go back to just how they promoted these and what it felt like watching at the time. And you're right, how Treehouse of Horror did become a staple in The Simpsons. And and the, this one, the Devil and Homer Simpson one, has one of my all-time favorite Simpsons quotes. It's when uh, they're doing the trial and, and Lionel Hutz is speaking to the jury, uh, the great Phil Hartman voicing Lionel Hutz. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get Homer out of a contract. And so he says, That was a right pretty speech, sir. But I ask you, what is a contract? Webster's defines it as an agreement under the law which is unbreakable. Which is unbreakable. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Like, I always think of like, which is unbreakable. And he realizes that he just like screwed over his client. (laughs) And he made a mistake. Like, just stuff like that. Like, just rattles around in my head they also the other two segments one was uh terror at five and a half feet which was a take on nightmare at twenty thousand feet from uh, the twilight zone bart um sees a gremlin on the side of the school bus uh most of the action takes place on the school bus um i think uh it's probably the weakest of the two maybe that's why they put it second uh but it but it has a lot of fun jokes there's a good bit with the foreign exchange student from germany um, Flanders rescuing the gremlin is a fun bit to me. Oh, oh dear lord! It's some sort of hideous monster. Oh, and that cutie's trying to claw my eyes out. I think that uh, terror at five and a half feet's a good one. And then the third one is uh, Bart Simpson's Dracula, which is a takeoff Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mr. Burns buys a uh, the Springfield Blood Bank. He invites the Simpsons to a dinner at his house in Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of references that I love. There's a Lost Boys reference in there, which mm-hmm. is a campy horror movie that I actually do like. We find out at the end that it turns out that everyone but Lisa is a vampire and Marge is the head vampire. And then we break into this like Christmas tune that they all that they all sing. So I think the combination, probably the devil and Homer Simpson is what I remember the most. But I also love the Dracula one. And there's some good bits from the from the Gremlin one as okay. well. But just taken as a whole, Treehouse of Horror, I think you had we had to have an installment of Treehouse of Horror, and this is the one um, that I chose. No, I, I don't know about you, but I just remember whether it was at my house, 
with like my brother or even in school growing up as a kid like when you saw the commercials you know at at this point the simpsons for me like the simpsons were on sundays but it was like this sunday and you know they had like simpsons treehouse and they had like the spooky graphics on fox Mm -hmm. for it and everyone was excited and it was almost like for a while in the 90s it was part of the halloween ritual for a lot of kids a lot of people a lot of families i guess too was you know you got halloween parties you got costumes and in the 90s it was these treehouse of horror episodes so you have to it's an essential so i i i have to agree the Simpsons made themselves part of a part of a holiday. Yes. <laughs> so that's, I mean, an essential part of a holiday uh, back yeah. for a period of time. So that's. So we have Homer at the Bat, Mister Plow, and Treehouse of Horror four. So Jeremy, what's your second choice? Our fourth. Yeah, this was tough. This one was hard. I'll be honest. Homer at the Bat, Mister Plow, they were my, they were up there for like two of the top three automatics, right? But then I said, like, I'm like, I know Thomas is going to say Homer at the Bat. I was ready. If you didn't, I'm like, maybe I can be surprised. But I'm like, he's going to say it. All right. Hey, he's hosting this episode. Give it to him. I'm like, Mr. Plow. Boom. Next. But I'm sitting there going, What's, what can I do? And I'm like, you know what? You got to go with Essential. That's the name of the game. We got to be honest with ourselves, honest with the people listening. And like I said earlier in the episode, The Simpsons is are such a part of pop culture. They're on that like short list, that Mount Rushmore of big institutions, big franchises. And Thomas, what's a common theme with all those things is there's people who love them and is their beloved, but there's a lot of people who say, oh, they used to be better back then. You know, Mm -hmm. The Simpsons, SNL, it could be Star Wars. It was better back then. It's not as good now. And I'm going to go to season eight. Hey, what do you got against Homer anyway? Are you kidding? Does this whole plant have some disease where it can't see that he's an idiot? And the episode Homer's Enemy. And I say this because I feel like for so many reasons, it's essential because a lot of people, and you can kind of tell even by our episodes, a lot of people have The Simpsons as a golden era. And some will say one to ten, some kind of say season eight. Some say seven, but there's a really a golden era for The Simpsons for a lot of people, a lot of fans. And I feel like Homer's Enemy is season eight, and I feel like it's the last great episode of the golden era. So that's one reason. The second reason, I think this is one of the most creative and innovative and just different for writing, for performance, just anything that, not just an animated show, but any show has done in the history of the medium. Like, this was just a brilliant thing to do. It was gutsy and daring. The third thing, kind of, it could be around the same time, but definitely after all those complaints that people who love The Simpsons have against The Simpsons, like, hey, you just have zany guest stars for no reason. It lacks emotional depth. It's very stale. And I'm not saying that's true or false. I'm just saying that's what the complaints are. Mm-hmm. This episode pokes fun at all of those things. And it's like, were they hearing it then? Or were they just kind of preparing themselves? Or like we said, like you said earlier, predicting the future. But this episode, despite, I don't know, for whatever reason, it hits on all those things that people will complain about. And so for that reason, I have to say it's an essential episode. Now, with this episode... There's the character Frank Grimes, 
voiced by Hank Azaria. And I think it's brilliantly voiced by Hank Azaria where it wouldn't work if you would have had a guest, a famous guest star playing Frank Grimes. It had to be someone. So I think it was great that he plays it straight. And it's really the concept of what if, and it's funny that you did that intro. It's like, what if a real person is cartoon and kind of like they're real and they meet this world of Springfield and they run into Homer Simpson and what they would react to it and what they would react to everything around them. So Frank Grimes, they, they see this news story of, hey, like this special story, Frank Grimes, who's got everything the hard way. He's had a tough upbringing, but he stayed consistent. You know, he all the, it has all these like funky kind of things. You know, he, he has a, like an explosion near him and then he's in the hospital and he gets his like degree, you know, via the mail by just working hard. And Mr. Burns has a tear in his eye watching it. And Smithers, hire that man for my VP. And so he brings him in. And then Burns is watching a thing about a dog, a heartwarming tale about a dog. And he's like, Smithers, I've just seen the most heroic dog on television. He pulled a toddler from the path of a speeding car, then pushed a criminal in front of it. Find this dog. I want to make him my executive vice president. And just like that, he's thinking, you know, he's going to be a VP. But he gets put down next to Homer. And I think it's just fascinating because Frank Grimes is this hardworking guy and he's next to Homer and Homer lazy, not hardworking at all. Homer does annoying things such as not calling him the right name, eating his dietetic lunch, you know, chewing on his special pencils. You know, Frank Grimes has to like help save the day because there's a big like emergency and Homer's just, oh yeah, 513. And Frank Grimes is looking at, you know, Everyone in Springfield going, what, this guy's an idiot, yet he has all these things. He has a nice house, a beautiful wife. Uh, he's met all these, you know, celebrities. He, you know, he met Gerald Ford. I mean, the funny line I like is, you know, because Homer tries to get him over his house, you know, to try to make him like him. And then he was like, what? Frank Grimes sees the picture. He's like, you've been in outer space. And then Homer turns around, you haven't been? Like, you know, <laughs> and it just to me was great. And then Frank Grimes gives this speech about like, you've worked for nothing and you have all this to show for it. I've worked so hard and I live in a place below a bowling alley and above a bowling alley. And then Homer's like, that's nice. But it just kind of shows like, I think it's a dark thing, like a darker episode about like, if someone real goes into Springfield, you would be frustrated by seeing Homer and how like a bunch of a buffoon he is, but yet he has his success. But then it gives that, you know, lesson because Frank Grimes kind of loses it and winds up dying at this power plant. And it kind of shows that deep message of like, yes, there's always going to be people who you can look at and go like, how did they get where they are? But when you let it consume you and take you over, that's when it destroys you. And so it has all those things that it's just a deep episode, but it's funny, but it's like real and at the time, it was very controversial. A lot of people didn't like it. But I think over time, it's kind of grown. Or like It's on a lot of people's favorite list. And I think looking at for what's to come for The Simpsons after, you start to see the show, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. it goes a different way. And so I think for this, it's like that last great golden era Simpson episode. This has to be on the essential list. Yeah, I do remember this episode, Deremy, and this was still around the time it was season eight. It was still around the time where I was heavily 
into the Simpsons and watching the Simpsons. And I love when, when TV shows do this. And this is something that I love about it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is a second reference to it's always sunny. But I love when they have normal quote unquote, normal people interacting with the characters that we see all mm-hmm. the time on the show. One of my favorite parts of It's Always Sunny is when normal people interact with the gang. Right. It's Always Sunny. And you see, you can see just how weird and out there their lives are. Same in Seinfeld, when George and Jerry and Elaine and Kramer interact with normal people. True. You see how, how nuts they are. So that's what happened. I love that The Simpsons did it here. And... I love when they when the show makes references to like the wild things that have happened in previous episodes. I'm sorry, isn't that? Yeah, that's me, all right. And the guy standing next to me is President Gerald Ford. And this is when I was on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, and here's a picture of me in outer space. You? When in outer space? You? Sure. You've never been? Would you like to see my Grammy Award? No, I wouldn't. Because the Simpsons didn't always do that. A lot of right. times you could watch a Simpsons episode and it's standalone for the most part. You don't have to follow the narrative that they've built over the years. But, you know, they made references to, as you said, like Homer was in space. Homer met Gerald Ford. He was on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. Right, right. Bart owns a factory downtown. Like this is these are references to previous episodes, which the Simpsons didn't always do. But I just love seeing a normal person observe somebody like Homer and just going crazy he because he slowly melts down he's like frank this character has a huge meltdown mm-hmm. at the end because he's just like losing it he's like looking at everybody like how can you not see homer simpson's lazy he's putting at you all at risk when i think he tricks homer into entering a contest for children as far yep. as building a a model of the power plant and homer wins and everybody cheers him on and he's like but he's competing against kids and but homer's friends at the job are sticking up for him and i just love it was such a it was self-referential it was such a fun take on the writer's part on the world that they've built mm-hmm. and they got to examine it from the outside looking in which is something that they didn't always do so i think this at first blush this is like seems like an out-of-the-box kind of choice but i think for those reasons to me, it definitely belongs on an essential because you're because you're showing an episode that has a different point of view than a lot of it's highlighting something relatively different than a lot of episodes highlight and doing it really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I feel like for me, there's two things. I, I love that now when people look back at this episode, it can give that debate about do you side with Homer and do you say, oh, when Grimes was being too much. Or do you kind of see Grimes' point of like, yeah, like, because it's, it, what I love is like, the beauty of the movie, and this was what I always think of when I watched this episode, of uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve Martin and John Candy, is if you watch that movie, you know, Steve Martin's this high executive, John Candy's the working guy, and you know, John Candy's this nice, trying to be friendly kind of guy, but all the things that Steve Martin gets annoyed at by John Candy's character, if you sit back and think about it, all of us would be really annoyed and ticked off with John Candy's character. But John Candy, his character, mm-hmm. is so lovable and all that, that like, all right, he has a big heart, so you let it go. And it, that has a happy ending in that movie. This, to me, is that, that 
kind of plot line, but there's not a happy ending. Because Homer does things to grimy that I'm like, if any of us sit there, we would be very annoyed. You know, and we would be like, what? And we have a right to be annoyed. But then the flip side, you can look at it and say, all right, well, Homer's doing, he's living his life. You should be living your life. And also, like, the flip side is, are you mad at the person or should you be mad at society as a whole? <laughs> right. You know, and not take it out on the person. So I love things that where you can see both sides and you get that debate and it makes you think. And this episode does that so brilliantly. Yeah, uh, Frank Grimes had, I think he had a reasonable observation about mm-hmm. Homer, but his behavior wasn't reasonable. Right. So that's, I mean, you could kind of understand, he starts saying things about Homer, and then as a fan, like, I think Homer's co-workers, his friends at the plant, are substitutes for maybe the the audience. Absolutely, in good that, point. Yeah, like, they're defending Homer. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, they obviously see Homer, like, eats like a pig and and all of this but they're like but that's just homer like we, mm-hmm. we still love him anyway then that's that's what the audience thinks it's like well right. yeah that you're what you're saying about homer's true but we still love him right and 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 the thing is it's like you're right because the observations are true and like you know hey if someone ate my lunch at work with my name on it i'm going to be ticked off like sure. it has my name on it you know you're chewing on my pencils and like wrecking them and all these things but it's like, what you should do is, hey, look at Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns allows him to be in this position. Mr. Burns hired him just off the street. So, you know, look at everything around and being like, well, how is this happening? And ultimately, the, I think for me, the message is you can make those observations, but you have to run your own race. And I think anybody, we all can look at someone especially from the outside and be like, how do they have it? And that does start to tear you apart. And I think you could have had it where, and this is John Schwartzwelder, the writer who I think is the great of all these great Simpsons writers. He's number one and kind of lives in like lore, you know, John Schwartzwelder. But if he has it where grimy Frank Grimes just has a a meltdown that could be big enough, but then he, he has him actually get killed. Mm hmm. And I, you know, maybe at the time you could be like, whoa, by looking back, I think that's, I'm glad he went with that choice because it can destroy you. When you start getting caught up and look at what he or she is doing and how come my life isn't like that or they don't deserve that, it destroys you. So I'm glad that they had it like where it took him all the way. And then you see the part of the funeral, Homer fell asleep and people are laughing. And I think that's key. Like they're laughing at Homer falls because it's like, guess what? You're letting that anger and hate destroy you and that other person they're just living their life and people are living their life so you got to do that for yourself so yeah, homer's exactly. enemy man yeah homer's enemy that's a thinking man's choice i think yeah. jeremy like oh. that's, <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a good one i think there's a there's a few that are more obvious because there's better moments mm-hmm. like isolated moments but this one i think the totality of it and the themes and everything i think this is a great one so we have for a central Simpsons episodes, so we have Homer at the Bat, Mr. Plow, Treehouse of Horror 4, and Homer's Enemy. So number for my number five, uh, I'm going to close it out here. And I wanted to pick something. What I love about this show, like I had mentioned at the top, is the world building and how we see those periphery characters be able to shine sometimes, how we get to know them. 
I wanted to pick something that that showed us all those characters in big roles. And I'm pivoting because there's one that I was sure coming in. I was like, I'm definitely going to pick this. I highlighted it. I was certain I was going to pick something. But you had mentioned if we're being honest with ourselves, what do I think is essential and what would I show someone? An alien, perhaps, mm-hmm. <laughs> who doesn't know about The Simpsons. So I'm choosing one that does highlight a lot of the town in certain moments. I'm choosing one that uses the old TV show trope of a cliffhanger. Mm. A two-parter. This is a two-parter, so a lot of people already know where I'm going with this. I don't think we'll ever know who did this. Everyone in town's a suspect. I think who shot Mr. Burns is is an essential one from the early period. And uh, if you veto this, I have another one in the chamber that um, um, I'll well, I want to hear your I want to hear your um, your reasoning because I, I didn't think you would pick it. Okay, uh, I think just uh, top to bottom, there's just hilarious gags. I, I like the narrative, though, and I know it's a it's a homage to uh, Dallas to Who Shot Jr. Obviously, but I just love the Who Done It. And I think the Simpsons are good when they want to. They do a good job of the whodunit genre. Yeah. And I think this is really great. I think you could you see uh, that play out. You see a lot of the people in the town kind of shine. Like, of course, they make Homer. Uh, they give Homer a motive because Mr. Burns uh, always forgets Homer's name. And this, again, call back to like all the episodes right. and all the times in which Mr. Burns forgets Homer's name. So we see the show referencing itself again. We have characters like like Ralph Wiggum gets some hilarious bits and hilarious lines in there. Um, the episode that I was going to choose is like a Ralph Wiggum episode. I love Ralph, and I think he's one of the better bit characters. But there's a hilarious visual gag of like oil shooting up and shooting Ralph into the air uh, when when they're all petitioning the school because um, uh, what happens is that they find out that the school is uh, their elementary school. Uh, sits on oil land right mm-hmm. and they find out like they're rich and the school's gonna get all kinds of money so there's a montage of people petitioning the school for uh they want money for certain things and ralph wiggum requested chocolate microscopes wow. <laughs> he's like chocolate microscopes and then he was approved uh lisa requested stuff there are all these requests that that were really funny there's like a little tidbit so it's like a clue that it's clues that we can follow as viewers too so we're invested in trying to solve the mystery uh as well uh in the first part and then of course we find out who did it in the second part gosh we see smithers stand up to mr burns like one of the Mm -hmm. few times throughout the series that smithers really stands up to mr burns i i don't want any part of this project it's unconscionably Fiendish. I will not suffer your insubordination. There has been a shocking decline in the quality and quantity of your toadying, Whelan, and you will fall into line. Now! No. No, Monty, I won't. Not until you step back from the brink of insanity. I'll do no such thing. You're fired. There's references to, like, Twin Peaks, which I love, Lisa. There's a funny reference to, uh, to Twin Peaks, and I don't know, like... I, I just think the totality of it, and I know it might be unfair because I, I'm I'm counting the both parts. The yeah, yeah. Uh, this was season six, episode twenty five, and then season seven, episode one. And it, there was actually anticipation. I remember that too back then. Mm-hmm. There was anticipation even like over the summer. 
It's like, who did it? Who shot Mr. Burns? So they were trying to drum that up too. Like, like uh, in the 80s, the whole who shot JR uh, discussion really like shine a light on the show Dallas. So that kind of happened with the Simpsons amongst me and my friends and family and stuff. It's like, can't wait to watch the first episode next season to find out who shot Mr. Burns. And, and uh, we do find out it was Maggie mm-hmm. uh, technically who shot Mr. Burns. And there's a, there's a seed in the first part when Mr. Burns says it'll, it'll be like taking candy from a baby. And so that right. kind of clues you in on who did it for the second one. Uh, but I just think the whodunit nature, highlighting different aspects of the town and different characters, and just the jokes overall, and kind of how darn funny those episodes were. I think the totality, and I'm combining them, who shot Mr. Burns as a total thing, parts one and two, to me, is essential. This is tough, because I thought the one you were going to go with, you had almost, you convinced me, like, this was really good, but... I'm going to say fair. I'm not going to veto it. I'm going to be like, it's good because the the thing that you hit me on is you have to look at for essential is definitely the, obviously the Simpson family that, you know, the nuclear family, but the town, the community, that world that, you know, Springfield, you know, verse, like, you know, you always hear like that. Now the Marvel universe, the DC like that Springfield verse, that Springfield universe, mm-hmm. and this episode gets the entire town involved. Yeah, they're and, establishing motives for every almost everyone in the town yeah. to shoot Mister Burns because he took their oil, and then he ends up blocking the sun. So they're gonna have to turn on their lights because he owns all the energy in town too. So so they're establishing motives for everybody in the town. That's what I'm. That's what I love about this. Yeah, and I think it gives somebody a chance to like see a lot of different people in the town throughout uh, all of this uh, what's going on in these episodes and i and i think that's why i i'm i say i'm not going to veto because i look at two things i remember you're right there was it wasn't the who shot jr buzz of that summer you know 1980 but there was a buzz for who did it and i even like that they had like a special fox hat you know john walsh who hosted america's most wanted it was like a fun like springfield most wanted thing like you know when season seven I think either when season seven came back on or right after the finale of season six, but they had like some really good fun with it. And also when I think about conversations I've had with so many people over these years about the Simpsons, what I love is it went from when I was younger, it was a Bart Lisa Homer thing like when I was really little to then you get to like deeper into grade school, middle school, and then even now to an adulthood, everyone, you could have a different favorite character from so many people and they name a lot of these supporting players in the town. And so that's why I think you're absolutely right because the town, the, the genius to me of the Simpsons is that it's, it's to get, you have so many recurring characters who become so beloved who you're like, man, you could spin them off and have their own show and it'd be mm-hmm. funny, but they just become, and you feel like you know, not just the Simpson family, but you know Springfield. You're a part of it. And I think this episode really highlights it. And if I'm thinking of an alien, someone who never heard of the Simpsons, you got to let them know Springfield, This you're going to know this town when you watch the Simpsons. And you're going to know every part of it and everybody in it. And you can relate or be like, I know somebody like that. So... Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1 and 2, I think it's a great way to close out our 
our five, you know, our top five essential Simpson episodes. Man, I thought you were going to hand me a veto, right? Well, you know why? I I thought you and I wouldn't have been mad at it. I would have understood. I thought I thought you were going to use it there. I thought you made the point because that's why I was like, "Let me hear what you." I was ready to. (laughs) And then when you said it gets everyone involved in the town, I go, "Then you got to give that." That swung me because you swung me on something when we were like, "Oh, naming episode." I I knew the episode. uh, I love Lisa. But I was surprised, like, I saw, I was like, I knew it, but I'm like, for essential? Like, that's like, I'm like, funniest, like, okay, but essential? But watching it, it was like, man, I was just cracking up at the parts, and it really nailed hitting so many pop culture references, Mm -hmm. let alone having, like, the heart of the story, and I was just dying at parts. So I thought, I'm like, you know what? This kind of hits what, like, The Simpsons does so well. And, like, but, no, like, who shot Mr. Burns <laughs> needs to be on the list. It just does. Yeah, and we can, well, let's get to honorable mentions right now, too, because I, I wrestled between who shot Mr. Burns and I Love Lisa, which is the uh, one where yeah. Lisa gives Ralph Wiggum uh, Valentine because she's full, feel sorry for him, and then he falls for her and there's so many memorable beats in that the the va- actual valentine choo choo choose you like i think i think people still give that valentine to each other to this day I, honestly yep. like couples who are simpsons fans i think they've given val- that valentine to each other to this day and to me like that was just like a showcase for ralph uh, wiggum who's mm-hmm. honestly my favorite side character in, wow. in the simpsons world um i think i would watch a whole series uh dedicated to ralph like revolving around ralph and chief wow. wiggum like the wiggum family i think that'd be a wiggums are, yeah. series so just because i love lisa really showcases a side character uh ralph wiggum i chose who shot mr burns because i think it had it, it showcased more side characters than just ralph right and i was going to show my bias there toward ralph if i just chose one that revolved around him so i wanted to kind of like one that kind of showcased the entire community really but i love lisa was like ah oh, it hurt me not to not to put that there um treehouse of horror i almost chose uh i was debating between the one that i did pick and then the treehouse of horror five which is a, a parody of the shining which i, I like think, that a little bit more okay okay so you would have been more on board um yeah with, with the shiny one i'm, I'm gonna keep mine but mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I, I, unless I, I don't know, yeah. you can veto it and replace it. You can replace, uh, okay, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, Jeremy, if you want to replace Treehouse of horror four with Treehouse of horror five, I'd be okay with it. I think it's hard. So like, I think four and five to me are some of the better Treehouse of horrors. It's hard for me because they just weren't my episodes, but I know they have to be on there. But like, I, Never was like watching one. I'm like, oh, that got me. Like, like other episodes did, and I know a lot of people do love. And four has the variety, and part of me is afraid because five, I like The Shining, so yeah. that's kind of what connect. And I'm like, that's bringing personal into it. So that's why, like, I just like it better. I'm not saying it's more essential than four, but I just like it better, like than four personally. But you know, I, I'm good with four keeping on there because a lot of people will feel that's like an essential one of the Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, okay, and you're not enough of a Treehouse of Horrors guy personally to <laughs> to want yeah to wanna, yeah. And um, I think Homer Palooza was another one that I considered. 
um, when he goes, you know, he's part of the uh, Lollapalooza and he gets cannons shot at his stomach. Yeah. Um, I also kind of looked at that, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my choices. What about you? You have any honorable mentions for it? Yeah. You know, um, it, it pained me to leave out season two, Bart the Daredevil. Um, but I thought about it. It has maybe one of the most iconic scenes where, you know, uh, Bart's going to be you know, like an evil Knievel homage and mm-hmm. Bart's going to jump, you know, skateboard off of the, the big like gorge and Homer's there to stop him. And then Bart's like, it had this emotional moment. Like, I'm not going to do it, dad. And they hug and then Homer's on the skateboard and then he winds up going down and then it looks like he's going to make it. And all of a sudden he just drops and hits all the rocks. Boom, 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 boom. And that scene's been replayed on the mm-hmm. Simpsons so many times. Um, I think for me for a long time, that was like the most memorable scene in Simpsons history. Definitely in those golden years where it was that, that Bart the Daredevil, but I'm like, I'm really going off of that scene, not the episode. So that's why I left it off. Cause that scene made me laugh so hard when I was a kid, like yeah, for so too. many years, but I was just like, I'm just going by that. And part of it also is after that episode, do the Bartman premiered for the oh, world to see. You're right. I gotta dance real easy to do. I learned it with no rhythm and so can you. But I'm bringing my bias in. It gotta be essential. <laughs> so leave it off. The way we was season two, how Homer and Marge first met and everything like that. And um, I thought that that was a cool because that was a good like flashback episode, which I feel like The Simpsons kind of became known for. They had good like look back episodes, but. And John like, Lovitz is in that episode too. John Lovitz is we in that love episode. John Lovitz, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So that that stayed off. Um even like Lisa's substitute with Dustin Hoffman, mm. you know, guest stars and you know, that's a really James L. Brooks you could see had his fingerprints on that episode and you know, she's getting the male mentor that she's always wanted that Homer can't be. And that substitute teacher, but then he's leaving and she's devastated. And, you know, he's getting on that train and I have a message for you. He writes that, you know, you are Lisa Simpson. And it's just such a deep, like, episode and really connects. So those are a few, just a few of mine that I was okay. like, they were close, but no cigar as far as the essentials. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough. And I want to recap our list real quick. So the five essential Simpsons episodes as chosen by myself and Jeremy. I'm going to go chronologically here. So we have Homer at the Bat, which was season three, episode 17. We have Mr. Plow, season four, episode nine. What's that name? That's Mr. Plow. <laughs> <laughs> and we have from, is this Mr. Plow. <laughs> <laughs> we have from season five, episode five, Treehouse of Horror four. From season six, episode 25, slash season seven episode one it's kind of a two-parter who shot mr burns and then season eight episode 23 i love this choice by Jeremy. it's homer's enemy so that's our five essential simpsons episodes Jeremy, how do we do i think we did really well i think we show our age and our allegiance to those earlier years those those like 90s but I think a lot of people would like even I feel like I've talked to younger kids who rewatched the Simpsons, especially when they came on Disney Plus, wanted to rewatch the Simpsons. And 
they gravitate toward those episodes as well. So I think we show where we kind of go and that we like the golden era. But I think we gave a variety and I think we gave great reasons. I think that the Simpsons are great because you can do that with a lot of episodes where you can give historic and deep reasons why this episode is essential. But I look at the five we gave and I think all five we gave good reasons why these are essential for the history of the Simpsons. So I, I, I like our list. I'm interested to see what other people would say about it. And I think you're right. This can definitely go for a, a, a second part as well. Man, I'll challenge myself too personally for the second part is maybe uh maybe try to do some Simpsons past season eight. And I know this is our wheeled house and I need I think it's a good introduction to somebody who's not familiar with the Simpsons. But uh, if we do a second part of this down the line, I would challenge myself to to look at some more episodes uh, later on down the line. As there's always bits of gold uh, there in the Simpsons. Man, I just love this show. It's so it was so fun to do research for this and go back to watch episodes that like basically live in my mind, but I hadn't seen in fifteen to twenty years, to be yes. honest with you. Yeah. But I know I knew all the beats to these it, episodes that exactly. I hadn't seen since I was a kid. I've had so much fun this past week, just and it's weird because even on the hist a lot of, I mean some there were some history tidbits that I was like, Oh, I didn't know that getting ready for this this podcast. But it was just like, man, there's such a rich history. I've read so many books on like behind the scenes of The Simpsons and I I I stand by it. Like it takes a I'm not saying it's number one, but it, for as far as pop culture, it takes a backseat to nothing. When mm-hmm. you look at music, movies, you know, TV, whatever the case may be, the influence that this show has had is just so vast and so great. And man, it just touches with so many generations and just we're so past it. And I feel like what's kind of has stung a little bit is I say past the movie in 2007. Um, when you hear the Simpsons, it's kind of like, oh, this person's guest starring this mm-hmm. famous person, like even had you know, Seth Rogen or Judd Apatow wrote it. Or there's been some controversies about it from Apu and other things. Right. But I want people to take themselves, if they can, if they can't, if they're too young, but just listen to us or do a deep dive. This show was everywhere for a long period of time in the 90s. And it hit the zeitgeist in a way that few things do, and especially on television. And it's an animated show at that, which... That's the big influence. We're so used to that now from South Park, King of the Hill, Family Guy. That all comes from The Simpsons. The Simpsons is their father, you know. The Simpsons kind of got that ball rolling. So this was just a great choice to do by you, man. And and I had so much fun, more fun than I thought I even would going into it. Gosh, yeah, thanks, man. This is this is so so much fun for me too. And I'm I'm already having fun prepping for the next episode me too i've been prepping for the next one so Jeremy, you chose this topic so why don't you give us all a uh give everybody a preview of what's to come next week preview what's to come is you know hey this year everyone's seeing 50 years of hip-hop like you know rightfully so people a lot of debates a lot of people are talking about things but i think it's not the start, but the bread and butter of like 90s hip hop. And you look at the history of it is the decade of the 90s. And so, you know, from when we were thinking of episodes to do, we're looking at, you know, the essential 90s hip hop songs. And man, there's just 
so many things to choose from and trying to make sure I keep the the preferences out and being like, no, what is essential? It's been so hard in a good way, but just so hard already. I just can't wait to do this. And you know, this is going to be a two-parter. Yeah, it's going to, I was going to say, it's going to eventually be a two-parter. And I think I'm going to get a good read on you, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so curious to see what you choose and what your preferences are for 90s hip hop and everything like that. So this is this will be a fun one to kind of like tap into who Jeremy Dove <laughs> Dove is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's 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 going to be interesting because it's it's looking at the essential, so it's different than like what songs are my favorite. Mm-hmm. And it could be both too. And they could be, some of them overlap. Yeah, it could overlap, yeah. And and I'm not going to lie, I'm sitting there on some of these getting ready and I'm like, can I talk Thomas into this of being essential because they're like on the borderline but they're so high on my favorite list but on the essential I'm like this song is but is it to make a top five if we're doing top 15 for sure but I'm like top five can I make this song hit the list so I'm just so pumped to do that with you man I'm curious because I get to know you Thomas as well and see where you're thinking and what your approach is yeah, you might be surprised a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm looking forward to getting next week's episode, our essential 90s hip-hop songs. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Pop Culture 5 podcast. For Jeremy Dove, I'm Thomas Senna. I want to say so long, everybody. and such.